Thank you. You may be seated. In this moment, our kids are going to be dismissed from the platform. Moms and dads, they're looking for you in the crowd. So if you can make eye contact with your kid, maybe lift a hand in the air so they know where you are. Can we tell our kids thank you one more time for leading us in worship this morning? Oh, my. Uh, Ryan opened the service with a confession, and I would like to um, continue that with just some words over you that Christ is risen. I, I kind of like the whole idea that you're cheering while you're saying, He's risen indeed. You know, this, this beautiful and wondrous story that we have been walking through as we've gathered and worshipped on this Easter Sunday is of such magnitude. And I, I'm almost just tempted to speak this name over us with constancy. If we could just hear this, the name Jesus. That there is power in the name of Jesus Christ. That there is glory and there is hope and there is promise and there is today there is tomorrow, there is future, there is Jesus. And so welcome to worship today. I know that um, for some of you this is, um, this is an occasion of travel and you're not typically in this church, or for some of you you're coming in for the first time, and, and I would love to close this service, and so if you're a guest, what that means to people who are here normally is that's going to take just a little while. But what I would like to say to close this service after we have been singing of such magnitude of the wonder of God in Jesus Christ at this, Christmas, this Easter season is just really to settle our lives in the character of Christ. Because as I prepared for what I would share this morning, I just recognized that it's been an extraordinary year for many of us. For many of us who call this church home, it's been a year that has been wrought with challenge. And we walk into an Easter Sunday, and I want to say this to you, that we don't walk in singing of the hope of the resurrection in a Pollyanna manner or hold that up as some easy thing for us, and now we can make it. We, as followers of Jesus, have given our hearts and lives to the hope of the cross and the finished work of Jesus. The tomb, which we confess on this day, is empty. And the work and truth of 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, that not only has Jesus resurrected from the dead, but for those of us who are in Christ, He has met us in the heart of our death and has resurrected us to newness of life. So it's a bigger celebration than solely Jesus is resurrected from the dead, For many of us in this room, it is that not only is He raised from the dead, but we have been raised to life in Him. And so my name is Mark. I am one of the pastors of this church, and we just tell you we're so glad you're here. And I would like to read and think a bit from the second book of Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and just settle in some truths that honestly our staff team settled in this past week. And I I just want to come and say we've been on a journey and a story. I was listening and thinking of the verses that were shared as I 
prepare this message that as our worship team, multi-generational, by the way, there was a particular moment in the service that I truly thought that angels had stepped into the room. And I realized that I think they may have, but it took on the form of our children as they were just singing with voices of children over us of the glory in the name of our God. And I, I love this reality, this truth that the name of Jesus is not solely echoed in this room, but it's echoed in the halls of eternity. And that's where our worship team is taking us, reading to us from the book of Revelation, who is worthy to open the seal? Who is worthy to break the neck of the serpent? It is the name of Jesus. And at that name, there are millions upon millions right now. There are 24 elders There are dominions and authorities that are crying out, Jesus, you are the Lamb of God. And then the story just turned and began to take on our hurt and our wounds and our sorrows and the needs we have as we walk this earth. And as the scripture in the book of Ephesians was read over us, I began to realize this is what we need as second-day people in a third-day journey, Lord. Open the eyes of our heart as followers of yours so that we could see a bigger and more glorious story than what we are currently walking through. That, God, we would walk as a people of faith in this earth, believing that you're moving here. And that, God, you would give us something that is more than knowledge this morning. For let me just promise you that no pastor in this town brings you what you need unless it is brought through the Spirit of God, opening the eyes of your heart so that you are revealed the presence and the name and the person and the power of Jesus Christ. There was no singer that would do that for you this morning, and there will be no speaker this morning that will. So we just cry out in this manner, Lord... Reveal yourself to us. Open the eyes of our heart so that we can walk in the fullness of truth. And so I want to carry us there for just a moment. I was reading, um, I don't know, I read this a few years ago and I bumped across it in another book I was reading um, several weeks ago. And I honestly have no idea if this story is true or not, if it's a fable or if it's an actual happening. But I do know this, it has powerful reality and truth for us on a morning like this. I ran across an account of a, um, a story of two men in a museum and they were looking at a painting and they were enjoying the painting together. And in fact, I think I have a rendering of the painting that's on the screen right now. I'm, I'll let you judge whether it's a great painting or not. It's a painting of two men playing chess. One of them could be depicted, if you would, as a man who is at the chessboard. The other, it's been suggested, was symbolic of Satan or a nemesis. And they began to just look at this picture together, two guys in a museum, and they're moved by it. And the interesting title of this picture is Checkmate. And one of these guys that was, according to the story that I read, looking at this picture with them, was standing and he apparently had some level of expertise at the game of chess. And so he looked at the picture for a while and they pondered together and then he looked at his friend and he said, would you mind if I stay here because I am intrigued by this picture and I want to look at this for a little while longer. And so the friend wandered away for a few hours and he came back and his friend had a very passionate look on his face. And he says, what we have to do and what we must be about is this. 
We must, we, must, we must contact the person who painted this picture. We have to contact the author of this. And he's got to do one of two things. He either needs to change this painting or to change the name. And I love this because he's sitting and looking at this saying, we've got to do something about this. And his friend said, what's wrong with the painting? It looks fine to me. We've enjoyed the museum. I've wandered about. Tell me what's wrong. And he said, it's entitled Checkmate. But I have to tell you that in this painting, the king still has one more move. That will, that will settle in your heart at the Easter season. And I believe begins to speak in the heart of the character of our God. This isn't solely a story of a cross and a tomb and an empty grave. It is the story of our lives mixed up and mixed in with the character of God. And I come to you with a simple message. Our God, our King, always has one more move. Our God and our King in our personal lives in this three-day journey of our faith in Him has one more move for us and can and will move regardless of what you brought into this room. Your King always has one more move. I want to read you about that in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verses 7 through 13. And then I want to end with verses 14 through 18 and in between share a thought. Now we, being the body of believers, have this treasure being the gospel of Jesus Christ in jars of clay. So that the extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. Listen. You should hear this as we walk in a second day world. We are afflicted in every way, but we're not a people who are crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life could be displayed in our mortal flesh, so that death is at work in us, but also life in you, life in us as a body of believers. And since we have the same spirit of faith, keeping with what is risen, I be- written, I believe, therefore I speak. We believe, we will speak. We have a message at this Easter that the King of glory has one more move. And many of us are sitting in, and in fact, one of our staff team said, I love truth. And the truth and reality of our lives is that many of us in this room are afflicted. We are in this room listening to people sing with apparent jubilation. I sang so jubilantly on the front row that I'm dizzy right now. And so people sing with such jubilation in this room, and yet I came in persecuted. I came in afflicted. I came in with a sense of being struck down. That is not antithetical to the Easter message. But can I just tell you this reality and this truth? You very well may be afflicted, crushed, persecuted, struck down, but the king has one more move. He always has one more move as we meet him in the story of his glory. And we see this, again, not solely in the story of the New Testament death, burial, and resurrection, but we see this in the character of God throughout Scripture. Would you mind if I amplified it with a few stories and then read a Scripture of us and prayed? And asked the Holy Spirit to reveal this to us? The Old Testament records this intensity of God being crushed not abandoned. 
being afflicted and persecuted and struck down, but standing in and saying, God, we trust you that you have one more move in you. It's a, it's a Israel history and the story of the believers who follow God. The Israelites had been wandering in the desert for 40 days, 40 years, more than 40 days, 40 years of wandering, and they are carrying with them the Ark of the Covenant of the Living God, this sacred reality of the presence of God. When they arrived in the land of promise, immediately they met conflict. They would identify with these verses. There's conflict, there's affliction, there's struggle, there's pain. The conflict wasn't just external, although it was with the Philistines. The conflict was internal as they wrestled with how do we settle this in all of this tension? How do we create victory, Lord? What do we do? And in the middle of their external conflict with the Philistines and their internal conflict, how do we deal with this? They lost a battle with the Philistines and so... They sat down together and they began to talk. We think we should come up with a better plan of how to be and how to live out this idea that we're in despair and we're persecuted. And I can promise you that their way was not a wise way. Because they began to facilitate in their own power, failing to recognize that the King of Glory always has one more move. They began to speculate, how do we fix this? How do we repair this? And what they did is put themselves in much greater peril and much greater stress. And in fact, one of them sat around the fire that night and said, we've lost the battle to the Philistines. I think we should go to battle again. And have you looked over at what we have with us? We have the manifest presence of God. And we should take the presence of God and send it with our army. Here's, here's a little reality. They forgot to ask God if that was his divine plan. And so we should take the presence and manipulate God and hope it turns out okay. And so they said, we'll go to war. That sounds like a good plan. How could any army steal the presence of God from the people of Israel? Until the people of Israel forget that their God's move isn't always their move. And it's their call to move in rhythm with the grace and the goodness of God. And so they went to battle, and a long story short, they lost the battle. Not only did they lose the battle, they lost the Ark of the Covenant. Again, this is not a small deal. Stored in the Ark of the Covenant is manna that fell for the people of God to say, I am your provision. Did you forget that? It was the, it was the Ten Commandments that were placed in this ark to say, I am the Holy One of Israel. I am the King over you. Will you follow me? Not in your pattern, but will you follow me in who I am and the majesty of who I am? This is the power of God. And they lost. They lost their boxed up God, which many of us bring to an Easter service. They lost their pretty little picture of who He might be. They lost hope. They lost everything. And believe me, they were crushed, perplexed, afflicted, struck down. And they began to settle in. Does God have one more move? And this, for them, was day one. The Philistines took the ark, and it was not that good for them either. And in fact, it's a powerful story of the power of God when you and I are living in day one and day two stories and wondering, what is God up to? I don't know what the Father is doing, but I walked into this Easter afflicted and crushed and suffering and sorrowful. Could this church possibly give me hope? I think Israel was sitting in that place and the Philistines had the ark of God. And here's what they were doing. They were partying hard, walking in and out of the place, and they placed the ark of God at the foot of 
of Dagon, their God, and said, here's where rest is, here's where holiness is, oh, you ark of the living God, here is your God, small g. And they began to celebrate and worship and party and throw down, and then they went to sleep that night, and when they woke up the next morning, there was this extraordinary occurrence that happened that Israel was unaware of. When they walked in and the priest of Dagon walked in, they found this this idol Dagon laying out on his face before the Ark of the Covenant. This is a powerful moment in day one for many people as we begin to wrestle with this, who this God is. So in 1 Samuel 5, you read that the people of Ashdod rose early the next day. And they wanted to celebrate this victory. And so their, their priests, they stood the ark, or they stood Dagon back up over the ark and said, here's what we want. We want you to know that this is the God that is to be worshiped. And so they did the same thing in day two. And in this day two journey, it's quite a powerful day. And I think we lose sight of that as a people who are crushed are afflicted, are perplexed. But in day two, as they finished their parting and went into the night, I think that the the priest of Ashdod said, let's put some outside this tomb and let's protect Dagon, our God. All the while, here is the ark of the living God in its presence, in its power. And when they woke up the next day, they cracked open their own tomb and they found not only that Dagon was bowing at the feet of the living God, but that his arms and his feet had been cut off and they stacked there. Some of you are kind of going, I don't really know what this has to do with Easter. It has everything to do with Easter. There is a day two that is shrouded in ambiguity, that is shrouded in mystery. It is a day that Dagon falls. It is a day that he is propped back up. It is a day that the king of glory is moving. Our king always has one more move. All the while, Israel is sitting on the other side, wringing their hands going, we've lost the ark. And the ark is saying, I have the power. I have one more move. And despite what you see right now, I'm moving. During this time, the Israelite priest, during this point when Dagon is falling before the majesty of God, the priest of the people of Israel fell over dead his daughter-in-law confessed that this is the point of Ichabod. And I will give my son away and name him that. Ichabod means the glory of God has departed. This whole deal, it's a pipe dream to you. The Abrahamic covenant, Ichabod. Moses was just wandering with us. There's no purpose, no passion, no plan. And I believe that the daughter-in-law was saying, I believe there's no Yahweh, no glory. Life is meaningless. You born, you die, Ichabod. And what she forgot is that the king always has another move. And while she was declaring that the glory of God had departed, Jesus, the living God, the Son of God, God, the Holy One, was declaring that He had a move and He was powerful. I just want you to hear this. Whatever you brought into this room, our King of glory has one more move. 
He comes into this room saying, I am the living God. There are many stories in Scripture, Bible stories and time frames, if you will. 40-day stories. They're microwave stories where we wait and learn. There's Mount Sinai in 40 days there. There's Elijah in the wilderness for 40 days. There's Jesus in the desert for 40 days. These are crockpot moments where we're being able to have our, share, our character shaped in them. But then there are other stories. There are microwave stories. They are amazing stories. They are intense encounters. These are stories about crisis. These are stories about urgency. These are stories where we are saying, holy God, we're giving you one Sunday. Would you speak into our lives? And he is saying, yes, I will. I will move in the middle of who you are because this is who I am. They are stories of desperate need, stories of affliction, stories of being perplexed, stories of being struck down, and stories of saying, oh God, would you help? You should hear this. In this room, we're a people that are afflicted, but we're not crushed. We do not cry Ichabod in this room. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. For our King, and we are coming to know Him in intimacy, has one more move. And He does that in power. In three-day stories, you see Joseph in prison and they speak to him and his story was much longer than this. But it says, within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and he will restore you. And there was jubilation in his heart and was there ever readiness for the glory of God. In Daniel, he was thrown into a lion's den in one of these intensives. God, can you do one more thing? And miraculously and powerfully, the Lord turned the lions into vegetarians for a night. Because our God has one more move that could even shock the most amazed of us. David against a Goliath. Checkmate. It is on the table. Except that our God takes the most surprising and has one more move. When Israel was threatened with genocide, Esther said that she would fast for three days. For I am here in this moment for such a time as this. And I will pursue God, for my God has the last move. And I will seek His face. Jonah in the belly of the well for... Thank you. This is interactive crowd. For three days. And God is saying in that midst, I have the last move. I love Hosea when it says this, speaking to the peace people of Israel, come, let us return to the Lord. After two days, He will revive us. On the third day, He will restore us to His presence. For we serve a King of glory who does not live in a place of checkmate despite what we sense and feel because we do in this room feel afflicted, persecuted, perplexed, and struck down. And yet, we worship a God who has another move. He is a powerful and beautiful God. The Easter story is written throughout Scripture. It is the essence of the character of our God. And it does not stop with only the Son of God. It carries into our lives. So I don't know what you brought into this room. But I know that there is a God who will meet you here and he has one more move in your life. I believe he has many more. And he is a powerful God. Deliverance, hope, passion, and 
invited into the world in a way that we could not have imagined. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, it says, And the Word put on flesh, and that Word has come and dwelled among us so that you could see His glory. You could see the moves of our living God so that you could walk in Him and carry on in the fullness of life. He did not come so that you could live abandoned, you could live persecuted, or you could live perplexed. He came so that you you and I could have life and have it abundantly for our God has continued to move in this earth. We have seen his glory. There is none like him. The powerful reality of the Hebrew word for glory is kabod. The Lord came, not Ichabod, but the Lord came in his power with the weightiness of the glory of God and stepped into this room and said, welcome to Easter. I am a God who meets you in the second day story and I will lead you to the third day resurrection. Welcome to the Easter story of God. Nobody could tame Jesus. So we get to him. Not politicians. Not religious zealots. Not the prideful nor the leaders of the day. Nothing could shut him up. So in the end, those in power lashed him with the whip, mocked him, hung him on his cross, despised him, and pierced him with the sword. And then they threw his body into a tomb to rot in the same way that everybody, everybody has rotted throughout eternity. And it was day one, and it was a dark day. There were people that were crushed, They've seen the glory. That glory is gone. And I think there were even some that probably had a lingering to say Ichabod. And all the while, the power of the mighty one was saying, no, no, it's the kabod of God. It is the weightiness of the glory of God. For I am moving in this instance. I am powerful in this moment. Would you wait for me? I can imagine that Pilate is looking at it this moment, parking guards outside the tomb between days one and two. Nothing was happening. All is quiet. And can't you hear him standing outside the tomb on day two and looking at them and saying, is there anything happening around here? No. Any movement around here? No. Any rumblings in heaven? No. Checkmate. Checkmate. All the while, the entire angelic realm, the 24 elders, the church that will gather in Mandarin Baptist in 2017, are sitting around going, there's no checkmate in this story. This is an afflicted moment. This is a persecuted moment. This is a powerful moment. And we do feel checkmate in this moment. But we know this about our God. And we trust this in Him, that our God has another move. The thing about Jesus is this, it was and is and ever will be finished in the cross. But he had a move. The third day is God's day. You should hear this. The third day is when prisoners of Pharaoh are set free. The third day is when mountains shake. The third day are when rivers are parted and we walk in the freedom. The third day are when prophets like Jonah are dropped at seaside ports to proclaim the gospel. The third day are when small gods like Dagon are tumbling down and God is moving toward his people. 
third days are when stones are rolled away, when the dead, when the crucified carpenter steps forth and says, my God had one more move. And he does in our own lives as well. And if I could just simply read scripture to say these words in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verses 4 through 18, for we know that the one, listen, listen, for we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us with him. Translated for the day, our God has a mother move in your life. And we know this, and this is an experiential knowledge. This is not, I dropped in at Easter. And if you dropped in at Easter, I come to you asking you a perilous question and a significant question. Do you know this? For we know in the core of who we are that the one who raised Jesus will raise us and present us with him. Praise the Lord. And that is a happy Easter. Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that grace extends through more and more people and it could cause thanksgiving to increase for the kabod of the living God. There is no Ichabod in this room. For we are a people who have walked with the God who has had, for me personally, multiple moods, moves in my life when I was persecuted, crushed, and afflicted, and he has moved in that second day. At times I have seen his hand, and at other times I have simply experienced the byproduct much later on. But my God was moving in the tomb of what I thought of as death. And there's just a few things I would tell you to cling to. I cling to this truth. I typically live, as Scripture says, in a second-day world. But I believe fully and I hope greatly and I faith sovereignly in a God of third days. And I believe fully that what I see dimly now, I will see completely in Him. So I cling to that truth. And I share three things with you to end this service. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would settle these in you. The first is on the screen now, on this second day. God is at work and you're not yet seen. It's that simple. We are a third day people who believe fully that our God has one more move. And on this second day, our God is at work in what you don't yet see. Do you trust him in that? The second reality that I would present to you is this. Our king always has one more move. I hope you've heard that today. When he moves, the unseen is made clear and our faith is emboldened. And I could not come up with the word that I wanted to complete. So you fill in with me. Our faith is emboldened. Our faith is completed. Our faith is strengthened. Our faith is directed rightly. Our faith is given over. Our faith is not in and of ourselves. It is in the power of the resurrected Jesus who, oh, by the way, in this Easter season, resurrected us as well. My faith is not in the current circumstance, but my faith is in the God of the next move. And as I read of the heroes of the faith, what I begin to recognize is I may or may not see the next move on this earth, but I fully believe in the next move eternally. 
Because he says of many of our epic heroes that we love, they didn't see it on this, but boy, are they ever walking in the midst of the third day. So I just come to you with our king always has one more move. And when he moves, the unseen is made clear. And so I end with this thought, live expectantly. Live expectantly. For you walk in the finished work of Jesus, our King. Live expectantly. For you walk in the finished work of Jesus, our King. When he stood over us with his hands rent on the cross, he said the words to tell us thy meaning. It is complete, it is full, it is finished. And so you and I should live as Easter people saying, Holy God, we don't fully see everything that is happening. And it seems like we critically, we made a critical error when doing and sending your power away. And so, holy God, would you move on our behalf? And all the while he's going, I'm moving. I'm moving. Dominions are bowing down. Death has bowed. There are so many that are bowing at who I am and what I am about. Will you join them? For I am the King of glory. And I have finished the work. Will you trust me that I have moved and forever will? I am a God of one more. So I don't know that happy Easter is the right word. Holy Easter. I have been raised with Christ. And Christ has been raised from the dead. There is no checkmate. There is just a king. Jesus, could we close the service worshiping and crying out to your holiness and your glory? Jesus, I pray that you would... God, as I just prepared this message, I knew in my own life there are so often more questions than answers, more struggles, more sense that Evil one places of Kabod. And Father, I pray that the I pray that the power of who you are would just be manifest in our hearts today. So Jesus, there are many in this room who have questions, have wounds, have struggles, and are living and walking in the second day. Jesus, allow us to trust you. To deepen in who you are. To know that as second day people, you are not done moving. God, I pray that in this service, as we have been singing and we'll close in song, that you would by your supernatural power raise us up a bit more in Christ. Draw us to yourself. Stun us with the confession of our hearts. As Peter, we studied in our small groups, called out to you as Messiah. I pray that we would make a similar confession today. In our affliction, you are God. In our persecution, you are God. In our sorrow, you are a good God. In our sense of being struck down, you are. On the move. Several of our pastors are here at the front. We close every service with a song. Just invite you to sing and worship with us. 
If you would like to talk with a pastor or have someone just pray for you, we would count that a privilege and a joy. Some of you want to bypass a pastor or just come to an altar. It is open. Some of you may want to ask how to know this Jesus. We would love to share with you the story of rescue. So can we close this service in song? And just the crying out is the weightiness of God. Would you, would you stand with me? Would you worship with me?